Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. a message to you. I know um, before we went on, I went on a mission trip and everything, I've been on a, on a series on the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and it's been a little choppy because I've been missing and stuff, and so I thought we might need a, maybe a reset on that and, and come back and, and really kind of get back into that so I don't have to do a, a huge recap. But this morning, I wanted to preach a message to you called Free From Your Past, and um, I, just, I just felt impressed to, to teach this this morning. And I think it'll really help you if you'll, if you'll listen. Um, but um, go to Philippians, the third chapter, the 12th verse, if you will. And I'm so glad that um, I've had so much positive feedback from uh, um, Pastor Lloyd Lane that was here last week. Everybody really enjoyed it. I'm so thankful for that. Um, you know, we need, um, we need other ministers to come in and speak into us. Amen. I need other ministers in my life. So I'm, uh, Dustin Martin actually was the one who kind of connected me uh, with him, and I'm so glad they did. I called him and told him it was, it was, that was great because I've had so much positive feedback uh, from that service last week. Um, so Philippians, the third chapter, starting in verse 12, it says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, which, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, and I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. And I know the first part of that can be a little confusing. But I think if you could just break it down into, into good old East Texas vernacular, it was, he was saying, I don't know everything just yet. And I haven't gotten a hold of everything just yet. But the one thing, he, said, he says, I, I want you to do two things, church. Number one, I want you to forget those things that are behind. And number two, I want you to reach forth into those things that are ahead of you or before you. So Paul is telling this church, listen, we all have a past. We all got things that have gone on in our life before. And I want you to forget about those things. And I want you to reach forth until what God has for you in the future right now. So I just wrote it down a couple of things. Before you can go on with God, you've got to forget about the past. Before you can go on with God, you've got to forget about the past. Paul knew something about having to forget about the past. Paul had the wor- a worse past than probably, I would venture to say, 100% of the people in this room. You could sit down and be as honest with me as you've ever been with anybody and tell me every bad thing you've ever done. And I guarantee you, Paul had a worse past than you. He knew something about forgetting his past. Amen? Let's look at a few things that Paul said about himself when he was actually writing to what he called his son in the faith, Timothy. 
So Timothy's a young pastor, and uh, Paul writes to him, and in his writing to him, he begins to kind of describe the type of person he was before Jesus. And 1 Timothy 1, 11 through 16, it says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before? So Paul is beginning to talk about how good God has been to him in spite of what kind of a person he actually was. So he says, before this happened, this change happened in my life, I was a blasphemer. Before this change happened in my life, I was a persecutor. Before this change happened in my life, I was an injurious man, meaning I caused injury to people. But then Paul says, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now, if you understand about the transformation of Paul, he was Saul. And he thought that he was doing everything that he was doing and it was justified. How many of you ever done something you know wasn't right, but you were trying your hardest to justify it? Amen. So Paul was justifying all these things because he knew the word of God. He actually said, according to the law, he was perfect. Now, that's pretty arrogant to say that you were perfect, but I believe when Paul says I was perfect according to the law, that I believe that he really was perfect according to the law. But he thought he was doing the right thing, and he saw Jesus and, his, and the followers of Jesus, he saw them as blasphemous. He saw them as, 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 as people that were doing damage to the kingdom of God because he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not believe that Jesus could be the Messiah. So therefore, he had kind of a righteous indignation about what was going on. And because he had this, he was fueled with fire to destroy the early church. He was a man that would have people killed, have people arrested, even maybe do some of the killing himself. So he had a past that he needed to, to get rid of. But he says, I was before a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I was an injurious man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And going on to verse 14, it says, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And then verse 15, it says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He didn't, Paul didn't say, I'm just a regular sinner like the rest of us. No, he said, I'm a chief of sinners. If you line me up in the room with the rest of the sinners, I would be the best sinner in the room. He said, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, meaning without exception, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Verse 16, how be it for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering. And I love the way this translation says it. It says for a pattern. It says for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him 
to life everlasting. Let me take all that, let me just kind of bundle it up for you. Paul was Saul. He thought he was doing what was right. But he was persecuting people. He's actually being blasphemous to God because he was persecuting the people who followed after God's son. He was not believing what was going on. And so therefore he was persecuting. He was injuring people. He was having people put to death. He was having people jailed. And ignorantly, he was not in belief. He says, I was not believing any of this. And he says, he obtained the mercy of God ignorantly in unbelief. Meaning that if you'll go back, and we'll probably read it today, but the day that Paul was transformed from Saul to Paul was the day that he was going on the road to Damascus. And he was still, the Bible says, breathing out murderous threats. So his heart had not changed towards Jesus. His heart had not changed but towards Jesus' followers. His heart had not changed towards the New Testament church. He was on his way to continue to do damage to the church, to continue to do damage to Christians. And all of a sudden, a light came from heaven and, and shone so bright that it blinded him and knocked him off of his animal, the Bible says. And immediately, Paul didn't say, Who did that or what happened or was there a meteorite? I would think maybe there was some kind of natural disaster here. I don't know what has happened, but no, the the first initial response the Bible records is Saul said, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And a voice came from heaven and says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Now that one passage of scripture right there should convince any and every believer of two things. One, that Jesus is real. And two, that he can save anybody. You say how? Because Paul was not trying to get saved. He wasn't. Matter of fact, it was extreme opposite. And for a man that's extreme opposite like that to all of a sudden... Come out of the wilderness because he went into the wilderness and that's where God gave him the, the, um, the, the word of God that he began to write down. Just two-thirds of the New Testament. All the letters to the churches and, and all that stuff, that's where he got all that. But, but a man doesn't, doesn't go along killing people, murdering people, putting people in jail, and, and persecuting to that degree. And then all of a sudden decide, you know what, maybe I was wrong. That doesn't happen. Matter of fact, most people, even if they do see that they're wrong, they'll just continue to dig the hole deeper because they're too prideful to say, I was wrong. Am I right? So this instant right here ought to tell you Jesus is real because Paul would have never admitted if it hadn't been this powerful. And the other thing that it should prove to you is that no matter where you are today, if 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 Paul could obtain mercy ignorantly in unbelief, then you can believe today and obtain mercy for what's ever happened in your past. Amen? If you go into the book of Acts, you'll see that Paul actually, when he was Saul, he was actually there the day that a young man named Stephen was stoned to death. 
And if you don't know who Stephen is, Stephen was really a guy, and, 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 and this always kind of intrigues me about the church. Because a lot of times the church just says, well, um, you know, um, we just need somebody to do this. We just need somebody to do that. But that's not how the early church was. They didn't just get somebody. They were having a problem, and the, one of the main problems were is the, the Hellenistic Jews, their widows were not being taken care of, and so there was a big, you know, people were complaining. And they came to the apostles, and they complained about things not being done right at the fellowship, basically. And instead of them going, oh, we got to fix all this, they didn't do that. They said, hey, guys, we need to pray for seven men full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And as they prayed, for these guys that are basically glorified table setter uppers, Stephen was one of the men selected, one of the seven. And one day he was out preaching, and he was preaching so hard towards people to repent and towards people to not reject the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. That's part of his sermon. He said, you're a, you're a stiff-necked people and you reject the Holy Spirit just as your fathers did. And the Bible says they were so mad at him, they began to gnash their teeth at him. And verse uh, chapter 7, verse 58, it says, And cast him, meaning Stephen, out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So Saul's standing there, approving of this. He may not have been in the, in the situation where he was, had the authority to do it, but he was there that day. And as the people began to stone Stephen to death, I guess they just couldn't get a good wind-up with their cloaks on, so they took off their robes and their cloaks so that they could throw rocks better. And they laid them at a young man's feet named Saul. Acts 8.1, it says that, and Saul was consenting to his death. If you go further into the um, Acts of the Apostles, you can read an account that Luke told, and he wrote about Paul. And remember, I talked about this earlier, but this is in Acts 9, 1 through 1 and 2. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and uh, slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So he goes and he's like, I need the proper letters that give me the authority. to. I'm going to Damascus, and if I find anybody who is a Christian, anybody that proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as Messiah, I want to have the authority, whether they're men or whether they're women, to bring them bound back to Jerusalem for jail or for persecution or even death. But before he could get there, thank God for God's mercy that reached Paul. Amen? And that's one of the things that he was talking about when he told Timothy, I forget those things which are behind and I press towards the mark. You know, I like to take things out of the, in the Bible and I like to, to truly think about them in everyday life. Because sometimes we read stuff like that and it's, it's real mythical. But I want you to think about the importance 
of having to forget who you were so that you could be who God needs you to be. I want you to think about this. If a person walked into this room that had jailed, persecuted, or even had murdered some of your family members or some of your friends from this church, and then all of a sudden, because he says Jesus is his Lord, now he's in there preaching and teaching the word to you. This is the reality of Paul. Everybody knew who Paul was. Matter of fact, the day that he was blinded and he said, who art thou, Lord? And Jesus says, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. God spoke to a man named Ananias. And he said, I need you to go to this place and this house where Saul of Tarsus is. And he's been blinded. I need you to lay hands on him. And Ananias is like, well, okay, Lord, but you have heard, you know what this guy's done, right? You have heard. And the Lord just says, I need him for what we're gonna do. Everybody knew who Saul was. Yet God needed him. Yet God forgave him. Yet he obtained mercy. And because we live in a world where God may forget and God may forgive, that doesn't mean everybody else will either. You know how awkward it would be for Paul, even knowing that God's forgiven me, to walk into a synagogue, to walk into a church full of people that you've either persecuted them, you either had them beaten or jailed or their wife or their husband or their father or their mother or their grandfather or grandmother. You've had them, you may have even had some of those people killed to walk into a place and now stand at the head of the church and say, I know that the things that I've done in my past are horrible and they're despicable, but I'm standing before you today. I'm not Saul any longer. I'm Paul and God's gave me a message and God, if, you will just, if you'll just believe in the forgiveness of God, this message will help you. That sounds all good on paper, but I guarantee you if somebody walked into this room that has even did a thumbnail of what Saul did, most of you would not listen to them preach the word. Because in a small town, it's very hard for us to forgive and to forget. And we'll even say, I'll forgive, but I won't ever forget what they did. And the Lord is telling you today by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if you don't learn how to forget what other people did, you'll miss what God wants to do in your life. Because you've become the standard. Because people who do more than you, you go, I don't know who they think they are doing all that. They're just extra. And people who don't ever come up to your level, you go, I don't know what's wrong with them. Why can't they be up here where they need to be? Why can't they do right? And who has become the standard? You. If we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, you're going to have to be willing to see people that used to be Saul, but now God's made them Paul. Not just with lip service in your heart. You're going to have to believe that people can obtain the mercy of God, even if it's ignorantly in unbelief.
You've got to stop allowing, even if it was something despicable that people have done to you, continue to ruin what God wants to do in your life in the future. Your life is way too short to waste it being distracted by even despicable things that people have done to you in their past. For Paul to continually remember the havoc that he had wrought in the church by consenting to the death of Stephen, persecuting believers, if he had continued to dwell on that, it would have crippled his calling. If you're going to be successful in your Christian life and ministry, there's one thing that you've got to do, and it's a lesson that Paul learned. We must learn to forget. If we don't learn this lesson, we'll be handicapped the rest of our life living for, trying to live for God. In Isaiah um, 43:25, this is what the Lord said. And it's even repeated in the New Testament. He said, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions and will not remember thy sins. Oh, this isn't ammunition for the person who just wants to live any old way they want to live and justify what they're doing. That's not what this is about. This is about trying to show you how good God is that even when we've been despicable people that there's still mercy for us but not to leave us where we were. Because Saul, if he had remained Saul, we would have never got Paul. He could have had an experience with God that day and still hardened his heart. And remain Saul, but because he didn't harden his heart and he submitted him instantly and said, Who are you, Lord? At that moment in time, Saul didn't care who it was. He just knew he had met a force that he had never met before, and he and he instantly said, Who are you, Lord? I don't know who you are, but whoever you are is Lord. And he says, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. I'm fully convinced that right then and there he gave his heart. To Jesus. And right then and there, he became Paul, the apostle, instead of Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church. But going back to our original scripture, Paul is saying this one thing I do. He said, I, I haven't got it all figured out, and I haven't even obtained that's, that which got a hold of me. But one thing that I do is I forget those things that are in my past and I reach toward my future, the high calling of God in my life. Every person in here, doesn't matter if you ever sit, step foot in a pulpit or anything like that, every person in here has got a high calling of God. You say, what's mine, pastor? I don't know. I'm not you. But I know you got a high calling. And I know as long as you remain in your past, you'll never see it. And I know if you always remain in your past and you never see what God really wants you wants for your life, then you'll always be miserable. 
And you can blame everybody in your past. And you can blame the way you were raised. And you can blame, um, you know, that you didn't have a fair shake in life. You can do all that. But if you will rely on that, then that means you believe more in all the things in your past than how good God is in your future. I love the way it says, I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions and will not remember thy sins. When I, when I read that, I think about, remember, you know, some of y'all, it's just commonplace to you. But you remember how cool it was, some of you guys that know what I'm talking about, maybe my age, a little older or whatever. Remember how cool it was when we got to use whiteout at school? That's the coolest thing ever. I mean, I had the cheap whiteout with the paintbrush, you know what I'm saying? You know. Some of the other cool kids, they had like the little tape stuff. But I always think about how he says, I even I am he that blotteth out thy sins and transgressions. When you made a mistake, you'd, you'd go, oh man, I made a, oh, I didn't get my white out. And you would cover it up and then you would write over the top of it what you meant to put there. But every time you saw those white spots on your paper, you knew what mistake was underneath it, right? But the teacher didn't know. The teacher just read what was put over the top. If you want to, you can continue to remember what's underneath the whiteout. You can. But God says, I've blotted that out. And I've written over the top of it the righteous requirements that I have to make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now you could revisit those times in your life if you want to. And you can allow the enemy to put you back in those times if you want to. He can even help you remember the mistakes of other people if you want to. But I'm here to tell you right now that life is way too short to go back trying to uncover what's underneath that. And it's worthless. It's absolutely worthless to do that. Let me put it back to you better. It's an absolute waste of your time, and it's an absolute waste. Don't get mad at me, but it's an absolute waste of the blood of Jesus for you to continue to go back. It's an absolute waste. But I just, you know, I just want to go back. I just want to, I do too. I'm thankful for my wife, and she tries to help me. But I'll start talking about something that's in the past. Anybody ever start talking about something that's in the past that starts rallying you up? I've noticed, she, she, I don't think she realizes that I've noticed this, but I've noticed it. She's trying to help me. I just hadn't let it sink in yet. But I'll start talking about it and maybe with somebody else. She goes, that, that, it, let's just not, let's just stop, stop right there. And I look at her and I'm like, and then sometimes I will, but other times I'll, I'll get back on that track because we're all human, right? But it is absolutely worthless. What do you hope to get out of that? What do you hope to get out of retracing stuff that happened in the past? Are you hoping for justification, retribution? For just somebody to say, hey, you were done wrong? Well, I'll say it this morning. Every person in here has been done wrong. Now, now that you have that, 
Can you move on? Let's move on. We got things to do for God. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions, will not remember your sins or iniquities. I wrote this down. If he doesn't remember them, why should you? In the, ver- in the next verse, he says, put me in remembrance. In other words, God is telling us to remind him of what he said. Why do you think that you need to remind him and yourself? I think that we need to remind him because when we entered in the presence of God to pray, if you haven't noticed this yet, the devil will bring all kinds of accusations against you. Invariably, he will bring your past before you like a picture, like a video playing in a loop to get you to remember what you did when God is trying to get you to realize that he has freed you from your past so that you can be who he needs you to be in your present and in your future. God said, I've blotted it out. If he blotted it out, it doesn't exist anymore. Let's go back to um, verse 25 again. It says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. Watch this word God says, for my own sake. I did it. God says, I did it for my own sake. Why would God do it for his own sake? Why would he choose not to remember your sins for his own sake? Because if God would remember your sins, then that means that he would continue to remember that there's wrath for that sin. And he has to go into it and say, Jesus paid the price for that sin, so therefore it doesn't exist anymore. The debt's been paid. Is this making any sense to you? God didn't say he won't remember your sins or iniquities for your sake. Although you get the benefit of it, he said it would be for his sake that he'll not remember your sins. He's doing that so he can bless you. He's doing that so he can help you. So he can demonstrate his great mercy and love on your behalf. If you go on to verse 26, um, there's really an invitation from God to come before him and state your case. It's talking about prayer. It says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. One commentary says this, set forth your case and you can do, uh, and, and it says set forth your case and you can only do that when you learn how to forget. Because see, you can't go in there and state your case before God and say everything that you did. You have to say everything that Jesus did. Why would we do that? Well, because ultimately, you are guilty. Ultimately, you are a sinner. I am too. Raise your hand if you're guilty. I've done stuff that deserves death, deserves hell. So if I go in there and say, yep, God, I I deserve hell. And I've already been saved. That's confusing. Because if Jesus paid the price for me, that I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. I'm now a son or a daughter of God completely freed from death, hell, and the grave. Because Jesus paid a great price. And the Bible says that he's our advocate and the, and the devil is our accuser. 
So he's accusing us both day and night. And as he's accusing us day and night, Jesus is advocating for us. Jesus is saying, well, this is what I did and this is what I paid. And I paid with the price of my own blood. I paid the price with a, with a whipping on my back. I paid the price with insults. I paid the price with being spat on. And I, I paid the price with lowering myself. I paid the price even to death. And then I took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And I was resurrected on the third day. And now I'm ascended. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. And I'm forever making prayer or intercession for those who have received the sacrifice that I gave. You can continue to be an old sinner if you want. But I want to be who Jesus called me. A son of God. You can continue to reach back into the old days. And you can pull out every excuse if you want. And you can continue to reach back in the old days and have a self-pity party. You just don't know what I've done. You don't know all the things that I've done. It doesn't matter. You can be completely 100% freed from that through Jesus. Not through you. See, this gets up against people that want to have something to do with their salvation. If you truly got salvation, you had nothing to do with it. All you had to do with it was, Lord, I need saving. Save me. Come be the Lord of my life. Is this okay? Hebrews uh, 8.12 says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Paul had to forget his past in order to walk on with God and to stand in the full potential of the office and ministry to which God had called him. And you'll have to do the same. God has freed you from your past through Jesus. And the only way you get held there in your past is if you allow Satan to keep you in guilt and shame. Why would you believe more in what your past says about you and what the enemy says about you and what people say about you than you would have than you would believe in what God says about you? Why would you say why would you believe more in that? God says that he's blotted out your transgressions and he's He's thrown your sins as far as the east is from the west and he doesn't remember your, your past anymore. Oh, but so-and-so said I was a sorry whatever. Y'all thought I was going to slip up, didn't you? <laughs> Why are you going to believe more in what people say? Why are you going to believe more in what the enemy says than what God has said about you? If you'll stop listening to people and you'll stop listening to the enemy and you'll start reading the word and seeing what God says about you in the word, you say, well, I don't see my name in the word. Every time you see believer in there, every time you see son in there, every time you see daughter in there, every time you see my people in there, saints of God in there, he's talking about you. And you can choose to believe that or you can continue to choose to believe the person that the world calls you, the person that the enemy calls you, and you can continue to be ineffective and miserable. Or you can stand up and start to stand against that and say, no, that's not me. 
I like what one person <laughs> said years ago. They said, I might have did what they said I did, but I'm not who they say I am. Amen? Amen? And, I, and you know, I know, I know the fear that some people, some people have about a message like this. They'll say, well, you know, people are just going to go and take advantage of people. If they do, that's, that's, that's God's business. But I'm not preaching a message that says that you're not accountable for what you do. You will be accountable. You cheat people here on this earth, you're going to be accountable. You murder people here on this earth, you're going to be accountable. You do all those things, you're going to be accountable. And if you do those things and you don't ask for forgiveness and you don't receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you will be accountable. But I also know what was going on in my life. And I also know that the, when, I was, when I was forgiven the great debt of my sins as a free gift from Jesus, it does not want, make me want to go as far as I can away from God. It makes me want to draw closer to him. How about you? The more I look into the word of God, the more I declare who God says I am instead of, instead of what the enemy tries to say I am, the more I become who he wants me to be. Amen. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.